I'm being accused of spreading lies. You got a good track record of that. That's okay. Not true. Solid reason why we don't believe it. We do realize, by the way, there is an internet report out there that uh, Kevin Vigil. Well, it's got to be true if it's on the internet. It's got to be true if it's on the internet. Hey, you know, if it's on Twitter, it's true. Uh, let's just say that the uh, Casey Candell snicker was was kind of interesting. Why not? Why wouldn't you bring up Kevin Vigil for this series? What, be, he's getting on base. He's hitting. Why not? Boy, why not? I could get on base. Call me. Uh-huh. Hey. uh... We got tickets to give away mm. to the Jays and the White Sox at the Rogers Center on June 2nd. And uh, we're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it to 990-590-590. First time? I'm just, my head's not here. It's in L.A. Um, yeah, I, at, the, at Bob's. Five, jumbo. <laughs> 590, 590 is the text line. Uh, I still want to know how much that costs to get in that place. Yesterday, we wanted to know the pitcher who holds the White Sox record for most strikeouts in one season. The answer was Chris Sale. 274 punch outs in 2015. It, it would have taken me a while to got that mm. one. This one I would I would never get. Yeah, and if, I was two when this happened. Yeah. <laughs> and if you text this within twenty seconds, you're cheating and going on the internet. <laughs> you are, and you really shouldn't do it. Try to at least try to at least think of this answer. Like it's a thing to do with trivia. At least give yourself a chance to think of it. Anyhow. Two tickets to see the Jays White Sox on June 2nd. Question. Who set the White Sox franchise record with 77 stolen bases in a single season? Again, who set the White Sox franchise record with 77 stolen bases in a single season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. We will have more tickets to give away next week. No way in hell I would have got that one. Nope. Not happening. Once you hear the name, you go, oh, of course. But no way in hell I'm getting that. Me either. I mean, I'm going back to 40s and 50s. <laughs> well, you were there. I was not in the 50s. <laughs> 60s, I was there. <laughs> Good man. 50s, I was not there. Oh, that's good. I mean, you were on some trains with some old guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. I sat around playing cards. I had a little hat with press on the side, and we were sitting around drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, and playing cards with Babe and Rogers Hornsby and myself. Took Red Red Shane Deans to Jumbo's Clown Room. We got in a lot of trouble. There were some flappers. We got in trouble. Well, somebody had to tell you about that place. I don't even know if California existed back then. Oh, boy. Every now and then I say something and I just shouldn't. Would you just do it anyway? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> no filter. We're going to be joined by... Who are we going to be joined by? We're going to be joined by Mark Langston, Angels radio analyst. Should you ask Major him if he's pitcher. ever been to that place? <laughs> no. No. No, I will not ask him if he's ever been to Jumbo's Clown Room. 
He's not going to. Nobody's going to. Nobody's going to say, yeah, nobody, yeah, I used to go there all the nobody, time except me. Nobody, Parker's back leg bets later on in the show as well. Nobody has ever heard of that place. <laughs> you know, you just, sometimes, Kevin, you just have to live a little bit dangerously. Sure. You have to take a walk on the wild side, Kevin. You just you have to. You can't covered, always go to a country bar. charge to a clown. Can't you always, haven't lived until you've done that. Can't, al- can't always go to a country bar, my friend. Sometimes you got to you gotta oh, walk on the wild side. I don't know why Anyhow. that's so funny. Boy, it, it shows went south quick. It sure has. Boy. Let's drag it back up. Let's let's drag it up by its bootstraps. Thankfully, we have Tony Gwynn Jr., mm-hmm. Padres broadcaster, former Major League outfielder, host of the Big Time Baseball podcast, joining us on Blair and Barker. Tony, thanks so much for joining Kevo and myself. Kevo. Well, that's the name, the name you give yourself. That's the name he gives himself. So, Tony, here here are the Jays. They got Guerrero, Bichette. They got a bunch of really good players. They all hit right-handed. They, I mean, they can't beg, borrow, or steal a hit with runners in scoring position. What What is the mood like on a team when literally everybody, with the exception perhaps of Santiago Espinal, literally everybody has an issue with one particular thing? What's the mood like in that clubhouse? Um, it, it depends. And this is a, a unique from the standpoint that all of the core guys are, are really young offensively. And so uh, I'm sure a guy like George Springer is, who, who's, you know, had his fair share of World Series runs, um, is probably the biggest voice right now in terms of guys uh, who may be down a little bit uh, or haven't quite gotten to where they usually are this time of year. Uh, there's usually somebody in that locker room that's trying to keep everybody's head up. And um, this, this offense is way too talented to continue on throughout the season like this. The problem is the Yankees are playing really good baseball. And um, the American League is good enough where you don't want to fall too far behind even with the extra wild card spots, because uh, there are a lot of good teams in, in the American League, so uh, I think they'll be fine. But my guess is that the the uh, the locker room is is probably a little down. But um, I think those guys they're confident. They they'll, they know that eventually it's going to turn. Tony, I, well, I struggled a lot, and and when I struggled, I had a certain person that I would go to. It just seems this is sort of a, a baseball uh, in general question. Is there too much information in baseball? Only reason I ask that is I see the Blue Jays, and I'm sure you, when you cover the Padres and whoever else you're, that you're really honing in on, you see the iPads and the flipping, and you go to a, to a right. one coach and you go to another coach, and you ain't even got to the hitting coach yet. Is there, in your mind, is there too, <laughs> is there too much information? There can be. I yeah. mean, it, I, there's, a lot, there's a ton of information out there. Uh, obviously, and a lot of it is very helpful, but you can overload on too much information. And I think um, part of the trick is finding what works for you and kind of staying in that lane. Uh, It it is very tempting to see all this information and want to find a way to use all of it. But uh, in the game of baseball, you need a free mind, uh, Uh especially when it it comes to hitting. And if you've got too much clutter, in your mind and you're thinking too much in the box. And that's not to say that these guys are, uh, it, it certainly can be a hindrance more than it can be helpful. 
You know, Tony, taking a look at the, we do focus a lot on the American League East, but I'm I, the, the West intrigues me this year just because the the Dodgers are. I mean, you know, the Dodgers are the Dodgers are so good, and you look at the Dodgers yeah. lineup and you go, my my goodness, where's the where's the weakness? Yet I look at the Padres; they're twenty eight and fourteen. They're a half game back of the Dodgers. Uh, Fernando Tatis, they they don't have him yet. Um, you know, they're getting. C- c- contributions from a lot of people. I really like what I've seen from Mackenzie Gore. I think that could turn out to be one of the really big stories of the year for the Padres. But how do you see this division shaping up? Can, can the can the Padres, and I guess to a certain degree the Giants, can they, can they kind of stay close enough to the Dodgers to make things uncomfortable for them? Yeah, of course they can. I mean, we saw it from the Giants last year. I mean, nobody thought that they were capable of winning over 100 games last year, and they did. Uh, they did it better than the Dodgers too. So uh, there definitely, there's a definitely an opportunity there, but the Dodgers are a, a well, well oiled machine. Uh, they really are. They, um, they've had their core players for, I don't know what, seven, seven, eight years mm-hmm. at this point. And, and offensively, they've been able to build an offense that taxes starting pitches, pitchers, they attack the zone probably better than any other offense. They don't miss a lot of pitches. Um, and they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. And the thing that the Padres have done uh, this year is they may not have been able to – they may not have been able to stay on the same level offensively, but their pitching is as good as any pitching in baseball right now. They got seven starters when healthy. Um, and when you have pitching and you don't make mistakes defensively, you're in every ball game. And they've been able to win 20 – they've been able to gather 28 wins because of those two reasons, and they've had timely hits. And they've got contributions from everybody. You look up and down that roster in terms of offensive numbers. I mean, really only Hosmer and Machado stand out as, as being elite right now, but they just play the game the right way. They move runners. They, they bunt when they need to. Um, they just play the game right. And it, it, it's, a, it's a good example – with all the information out there uh, that can be helpful, it still boils down to playing the game and playing it the right way. And the reason why the Padres are a game and a half back right now is because they do that. And one of the names that intrigues me in this team is, is Denelson Lamette. Now, what, what's happened to him? I know that, that he's di- down on the minors, but what happened to him? Because yeah. this was a guy, I mean, gosh, this was a guy that at one point – a lot of teams really seem to want to acquire in addition to what he was doing at San Diego, Tony. Yeah, no, he, he, he was a Cy Young uh, race not too long ago. Yeah. Finished, I think, second uh, in, in the 2020 year. But I think, you know, a combination of things. I think he had the, the elbow issue uh, last year, and I think he's gotten over it. But, there's you know, there's still a trust factor there for a pitcher. You know, knowing that when you let it go that you're going to be all right. And I think that's part of the reason why the Padres sent him down to the minor leagues. It's kind of worked through some of those issues. Uh, he moved to the bullpen this year, which was a new thing for him. He, he, even when he was a starter, it took him a, 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 usually a few pitches, an inning sometime, to kind of gather himself. Now, coming out of the pen, especially the back end, you don't have that kind of time. you got to come in ready to go, ready to locate, ready to get out immediately. And he struggled early on. So, I think going down to the minors was one of the better things for him um, because it allows him to, in an environment where it's, you know, it's not, it's not as, uh, it's not as tight to kind of work on some of those things. But 
he still has the arm. I mean, he was still throwing 96, 97. I just think the trust on throwing that slider, which is his best secondary pitch, wasn't quite there, and it's and it wasn't suited for the big leagues at mm. this point. So he's gone down to work on some things. I expect to see him back at some point this year. Tony, when, when uh, playing every single day for me, anyway, is an art. And, and you mentioned Manny Machado, and if you look at his numbers, look at his games played, he plays at least 155 games every single year. Uh, question, how does he do it? Like with load man- management the way it is and all these teams want to give guys days off, how does Manny do that? Yeah. I mean, listen, Manny came up, you know, in, or- in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Buck Walter was his manager, pretty old school. And, you know, a lot of those players at that time, they believed in clocking in every day. They didn't, they didn't want to miss uh, any days, regardless of how they were feeling. If they were – if they could walk and they could run, they wanted to play. And that's kind of the cloth that Manny's cut from. Um, he, wants to, he wants to check in every day. And what's been so amazing about him this year is he's taken his game to another level. I mean, defensively, he's always been one of, if not the best third baseman in all of baseball. But offensively this year, he's taken it to another level. I mean, he, 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 he's so talented. He's not chasing He's forcing you in that rectangle box everybody sees on their screen. And, and regardless of whether you're putting it in the center of that rectangle or you're putting it on the corners, he's barreling everything up. It, I, I cover this guy every day. It's very rare that a ball comes off his bat at under 100 miles per hour. And, you know, when you hit the ball that hard, you can have a lot of success. But he, he's kind of the tone setter. He doesn't, not, a, not a guy who talks a lot, but he, he's out there every day. And his teammates see that. And, and they just they try to follow along. Tony, I know that you and, and John Heyman on on your podcast, uh, Big Time Baseball, spent time talking about the Tim Anderson, uh, Josh Donaldson situation. Josh Donaldson appealing his one game suspension for calling uh, Tim Anderson Jackie, and and you know we played a clip from Liam Hendricks, which I think basically summed up the situation for everybody. You know, Josh trying <laughs> yeah. to say it was an inside joke and Liam saying, yeah, well, guess what? There's no such thing as an inside joke when the other person doesn't like you, which, you know, is, is, is true. Uh, but look, you know, th- this is, um, you know, this is the Yankees. And the Yankees, they've got a certain way of doing things. And, you know, whatever people may think about that organization, they sort of, they tend to run a tight ship a lot of times when it comes to stuff like yeah. that. How do you yeah. think, like, I don't know about you, but I I, I don't know what, how Josh Donaldson comes back from this in that organization. Yeah, it, it sounds like there was some disapproval even from his organization, right? I mean, Aaron Judge, his comments, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Boone, his comments. Um, I do think that those guys will move past it. Um, he's their teammate. You know, I think, you know, Josh released a statement today kind of apologizing to Tim and, and Jackie Robinson's family. And um, I think that'll help them get past it. It certainly was was a terrible mistake on his part. Um, and you're right. The Yankees, they don't, they don't mess around with that kind of stuff. They try to – they want to stay clear that they want it to be about baseball. And for the most part, in recent years, that's what they've been able to do. So Josh has always been a, a type of guy that – you know, tries to get under people's skin. And and I think he enjoys, enjoys doing that, but he took it a little bit too far this time. And um, I think he'll be, I think the type of guys that the Yankees have in that, in that locker room, I think they'll be able to welcome him back. But I I would say that Josh is probably on notice. now. How how do teams in general from your 
you know, from from your experience, Tony, and maybe I don't know, maybe your dad's even your your, your dad even talked about this as well. But how do you how do you handle a difficult teammate? That, mm. Especially over over hundred, it's not over hundred and sixty two games. Like, and it doesn't even have to be a guy whose views on race you don't agree with or politics, but right. just in general, because you're seeing a dude every day for one hundred and sixty two days. Every day. How, how do teams you, do that? On it. It, it, it's, it's, it can be tough, and that's why a lot of times when it becomes uh, an untenable situation. They get rid of them, you know, because ultimately, because you're around each other every single day, um, it'll, it'll wear on guys. It'll wear guys down. And um, I think for the most part, teams do their best to stay away from it. Now, the less talented teams who may not have a choice may have to stick it out throughout the year. But a team like the Yankees, uh, they don't necessarily have to do that. But mm. Josh is still Josh is still so so productive uh, that it's not a guy that you just move on a whim or move because he made a mistake. Um, they're going to they're going to try to work through it. I think most teams, depending on the talent, will try to work through it. But they're they're always for every team. There's always a line where it's just too much, and you're 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 risking losing other guys in the locker room. Because simply because they don't like being around a guy, I don't I don't think that's where Josh is. But I think in general that's how teams handle it. If you're productive, and they feel like they could they have the type of locker room that can kind of withstand it, they'll let it ride. But if they feel for at at any point that they can't, they'll move on. Tony, how much has Bob Melvin helped the Padres? I mean, I can't even explain to you how much he's helped this ball club. Like. The way you know they say you know manager may win you four or five games a year, he can he can put honestly put an argument for far more than that just by the way the tone he set and his personality that he's brought to this team. I mean the biggest example I can give you is first day of spring training, the news comes out Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be out for three months. Now this is coming off a year. This is coming off a year in which. They basically nosedived in the second half. Had one of the worst second halves uh, we've seen in quite a bit, uh, quite a long time. And so you get hit with that news to start the season. It could be, it could be crippling to a team. Uh, but he, he gave the, it's almost like he gave it a 24-hour grace period, and then it was like you hear this, you hear this statement often in sports now, "Next man up." But they truly bought into that. They had a workmanlike process throughout spring training, and. I think that set the stage for what we've seen so far this season without Fernando. Guys have figured, you know, everybody got to pass to pull the rope in the same direction. We got to have different guys step up. It can't just be on two or three guys. It's got to be everybody. And literally, somebody new, somebody different has stepped in and contributed to wins this season. And I think a large part of that is due to Bob Melvin, his personality, his his. I guess his, his his kind of voice that he brings to this team, the steadiness, I think that's the word I was looking for, steadiness that he's brought to this team has allowed these guys just to go about their business and, and, and keep their head down and just work. And they've done a great job of it so far. Tony, really good of you to join us today. Terrific stuff. Thanks, man. Be Thanks. well. Thanks, Tony. Nope. No problem. You guys have a good one. You, you too. too. Thanks. Tony Gwynn Jr., Padres broadcaster, former Major League outfielder, host of the Big Time Baseball podcast. 
Uh, this was Josh Donaldson's statement, by the way, that was released today. First and foremost, I have the utmost respect for what Tim Anderson brings to the game of baseball. I stated over the weekend that I apologized for offending Tim and that it was a, mis- a misunderstanding based on multiple exchanges between us over the years. My view of that exchange hasn't changed, and I absolutely meant no disrespect. In the past, it had never been an issue, and now that it is, we have a mutual understanding. I would also like to apologize to Mrs. Rachel Robinson and the Jackie Robinson family for any distress this incident may have caused. Jackie was a true American hero, and I hold his name in the highest regard. So that is a statement from Josh Donaldson. Kevin, you spent time in a lot of clubhouses. I'm not going to ask you to name names, but I'm sure there were teammates that guys just didn't like. A lot of them. How do you, how does a clubhouse, and I'm not saying that's the case with Josh, be sure, you know, Josh is Josh. And, and, you know, Liam Hendricks's comments probably raised a few eyebrows. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can tell you that, and I've told this story that you know, there were guys who played in that Cleveland, then the Cleveland Indians team with Josh Donaldson. They just thought that he was, sure, you know, they, they just didn't like him. Um, like, I mean, I can't put it any other way. And some, and some highly regarded players felt that way in particular. Can it, can, how does a clubhouse handle that? And can it, how does a guy go about changing people's opinion of him as a person? Perform, perform at the highest level. That's, that's the easiest way. Uh, well, I, I just remember some of the bad teammates I had, I would root against them. And, and I, but I've never been on a contending World Series or bus team like he's on with the Yankees. It's, it's different little, when you're in a team that oh, isn't that, good because guys get it absolutely. Yeah. It's like you get you get very like groupy then. Like you're in this group, there's a group over there, there's a group over there. It's not a team thing when you stink. Like you're in your own little thing. You're trying to make as much money as you can and get the season over as quick as you can. Right. When you're on a contending team like this, it's a little different. Now I think it's for me anyway, his 0 for 15, 0 for 20, 0 for 25. That's probably not going to be accepted now. Like it's now, you got to, you really, because the light's been shown on you now that you're, you like to run your mouth. And I just don't think, listening to the way Aaron Boone talked about that, this is not a situation they're going to accept. And I, I just don't see that, that, I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see if he does go 0 for 12 with seven punches. What do you do with him? Well, the Yankees, you know, the Yankees, when they were winning World Series and that, I mean, they were the team guys went to rehab their reputations. I mean, they took a chance on Doc Gooden. They they took a chance on a lot of guys. I, I always use David Justice, a perfect example. David Justice went to the Yankees, played in the World Series. And, I mean, I remember they held a news conference when he retired in Minnesota during, during the postseason. Uh, it was going to be his last game. They held a news conference. There were people there. There were his current teammates there. And I just thought, my God, this guy is has gone from being the 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 dude who, when he was with the the Braves, showed up with you know pierced pierced nipples and nipple rings and not wearing a shirt to a team function or wearing an open shirt to a team function, and, to a guy that was a lot of people just didn't like into kind of one of the game's grand old men. We were celebrating the retirement of a guy who had a long career, and the Yankees were kind of like that. They were a place a lot of times. Where reputations went to get mend to to get mended, um, but that was when they had right. It was Jeter and Mariano and Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada, and then Paul O'Neill was there and Tino was there. Like they were literally, they were BS proof. Mm-hmm. 
It was it was just a bunch of guys who knew how to handle anything because that's the way the Yankees did business. And they had Joe Torre. It's just the way we do business. We take care of things on our own. We make people and players become better. Uh, give, this give is him, a little different for this team. Cred- give him but, credit a little bit. He's, he's owned it. It was dumb. It was he, dumb. He it. He but, and you think back to what Sweeney Murdy said, and we talked very early about Josh Donaldson joining the team. One of the things... One of the reasons the Yankees wanted Josh Donald, they wanted a bit of that red ass. They thought they were a little too they thought they were a little too comfy and cozy last year. They wanted a guy who was gonna come in and you know, have a bit of an edge to as him. As long as he performs. You're okay with the attitude and the Jed Donaldson's not a bad dude. I don't believe the people that I've talked to. He just sometimes he, he handles failure in a different kind of That's way because way he's an alpha it. male. That's a good way and to put he's it. He's won an MVP, just he's he's wired differently. Like yeah. he's just he doesn't function the way other He's a late baseball bloomer. players do. Exactly right. He's he figured something out late in his career, and when he does, it's not going right. He just doesn't handle it very well. Yeah. And I think as a teammate, when you're around people like that, you just need to know it. Like, you just need to know when when you can go hang out with him when you can't. And I, th- those guys are old enough, big enough. They play for the Yankees. Is there ever a guy that you joined, joined a team you were on, and you went, Ugh. and by the end of the year, you were like, oh, this guy's pretty... You know, he's actually been pretty cool, been pretty helpful. Is there any guy like that? Or Jeremy Burnett's was was uh, I, I don't want to say he was like that, but he was intimidating. Yeah, he was uh, he was he was very vocal when it come to young players. Mm-hmm. I came up in a different time. You know, it was it was the older guys, and then it was the young guy. Guy was the plague. Oh, really? You're that I mean that's 23, 24, and I got called up. And I was around older guys. And then I was sort of the odd guy out. And the older guys looked at you like you had three heads and you know, you walk funny. And that there's a lot to that. But you know, I he he grew on me. It was you gotta be able to learn how to and then there's some guys, and I'm not gonna mention, I hate it. Mm-hmm. That that showed me up in front of teammates that would ever do that to me my last year in the big leagues, I would have whooped their butt in front of the team. And did it with pride. Mm-hmm. So that was the difference. Like, I took it. I wore it when I was a young player. But the older I got, look, I knew who I was. I knew what I brought to the team. I knew why I was in the big leagues. And and I, I walked around like that. So it's that's just the way it is. Sports, money does different things to different kinds of people. And I think you see that a little bit with certain people, the way they act. They act a little big for themselves sometimes because of the the paycheck they're getting. Sometimes it takes teammates like myself <laughs> to knock a little hole in that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine you knocking a few holes. In, Where it is in, uh, in situations. It's different in the majors and the minors, though, too, right? Minor, uh, uh, minors is more. Uh, everybody's there to be. To, everybody's there to go to the majors and make money. Aren't it you? is. It is. But again, it's that. It's that old guy like I was towards the end of my career that I'd been in AAA for so long. What's a good that, minor that, league teammate? Is it different than a good major league teammate? Some, somebody that you can hit in a cage with, somebody you can go to lunch with, somebody you you're you know I wasn't much on hanging out with too many people. Like mm-hmm. I I was kept to myself a lot because I had one goal, yeah, to make more money. Yeah. Like it got to the point where it was more money driven than it was be a good teammate. This good teammate at the minor league level, like really like it's what you're selling. I mean it's a good organizational thing. You're thinking oh we want to be great team. No we don't. I want to make more money than you make. 
I, I mean, I don't want to say it that way, but it's true. It's a fact. Ask, ask players that. And there's a fine line between being both of those. And when you're starting to be passed over by a player that's not as good as you are, then you start getting a little bit more chapped. And then the teammate thing is not yeah. on the level that you sort of your and your organization expect it to be. So there's a, you know, that's the minor leagues is cutthroat, man. It's. People don't realize like, how cutthroat it is. Well, I mean, it's again, like I, we don't. I, I, a, lot, a lot of the times, especially when I was coming up, now it's not so much that now, but it was if you got drafted in the first round, no matter how you did, you were going to the big leagues. You were getting, at least getting a shot to go more than everybody else was going, whether you stunk or not. And I, I came up with a bunch of guys that I was way better than that guy, and I got drafted in the third round. Mm-hmm. They got drafted in the first two rounds and went higher levels to me. I know I had a really good year in double A and I can't remember this person's name because yeah, I'm terrible yeah. with names, but he was in triple A, but because he got drafted in the first round, he stunk in triple A. I had to go back to double A and start the season there until they just finally wised up and said, this dude's really good. He's better than you are. And then they called me up and I sort of left him behind that way. But that's the way it was when I was coming up is it's a pecking order because of how much money they have invested in you. They're going to give you every opportunity because basically they don't want to look like, you know, what's because they drafted you and gave you all this money. So, yeah, it's not always, you know, roses about the the minor league thing. And I laugh when I hear managers say it's it's peachy and we're all having fun here and we're all working hard. Really? I I guess that's what you're selling. (laughs) Like. Ask a player that. That's what I said. If you're a player, and I know for a fact that if you're on the bubble, one of those guys in Buffalo that are that are looking, and you're looking at them stats, and you're going, man, two for 14 runners and scores. They're hitting a buck 61. And they're going, wait a minute, what Vinny Capra's up there, and what I'm am not. I, what am I hitting? Well, Vinny Capra's. I know, but I'm nice saying. nice to Vinny. No, I'm just pulling a name. Nice. I'm just pulling a name. I'm just saying, Lord, if you're a guy in the minors. for a bazillion yeah. and not hitting, and I can, mm. I'm, look what I'm doing down here. I have confidence. Yeah which is the most important thing. I'm hitting this number with runners and scoring. I know it's AAA, but you're telling me I can't have better at-bats than this guy? If for a fact, it's happening. Mark Langston is the LA Angels radio analyst, former Major League pitcher. We will take a look at the Angels ahead of a four-game series between the Jays and Angels. It starts tonight, Hyunjin Ryu against a certain Shohei Otani. I'll ask Mark Langston the same question I asked Kevin Barker earlier. If you were the Blue Jays, what are you more concerned about tonight? Otani the hitter, Otani the pitcher. It's a dumb question. I won't ask him that. <laughs> it's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Stop it. Sportsnet 590, the fan, 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. All right, we'll have Barker's back leg bits later on in the show. we got a couple of questions for Kevin Barker from listeners. As always, you can DM me. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. I'll pass them on to Barker. And we don't have any prizes for it, but you will get our undying love and respect, which when you get down to it is probably better than anything we could come up with in way of a gift certificate anyhow. Money. Uh, you should give money to the best... The Jays open a four-game series against the Los Angeles Angels tonight. Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels. Just what the Jays needed. And, uh, well, just what anybody needs, actually. Hyunjin Ryu mm-hmm. will be on the mound for 
the Blue Jays. Again, it's the first of a four-game series. That series wraps up Sunday. Mark Langston is the Angels radio analyst, former Major League pitcher, and he joins us in Blair and Barker. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We we trust that you're uh, that you're keeping well. Um, you know, look, we. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll admit, going into the year, I I I didn't know what to expect from the Angels. I didn't expect this. I didn't know what to expect from the from the Angels on the top side. Now I, I know that things have evened out a bit here. There, but they're still twenty six and seventeen. Um, is this sustainable in your mind? You know, one of the reasons it is is because you have a healthy Mike Trout and a healthy Anthony Rendon. Those are two elite players that have missed a lot of time last year. Trout only in 30, 38 games last year, so. Big loss, but and you get Trout back, and he is proving again why he's a three-time MVP. He has been off to one of his best starts of his career, uh, and they they needed rotation pieces. The Angels knew it; their pitching was their weak spot, so they went out and got Noah Syndergaard and Michael Lorenzen to jump into that rotation. Obviously, Syndergaard—it's a roll of the dice coming off of Tommy John. You know the upside is big if he's healthy. He's been fantastic in this rotation. And Michael Lorenzen's a guy that's been a bullpen guy that the Angels, he wanted to get back into a rotation, and the Angels gave him that opportunity. And he's excelled in the Angels' rotation. So two pieces there. Um, Obviously, uh, Taylor Ward at the top of our order has been the storyline. And it's hard to top a guy like Shohei Otani or Mike Trout but Taylor Ward has actually been uh, one of the elite players in this Angels lineup. Mark, this is a game of adjustments, and and you look at Otani trying to do this on both sides of the ball. Have you noticed an obvious adjustment that he's made to either side of the ball that he's trying to get a little better at? Is it strikes? Is it is it something that's obvious? You know, the pitching side of it, uh, he has elite stuff. Elite stuff plays always mm-hmm. at the major league level. He has stuff that can dominate any team. He's proven that he proved it last year and he's on a mission. It definitely is from the pitching side of it. I've seen a better show. Otani this year. Uh, he's six of the seven starts this year, two runs or less, including the last five he's allowed uh, two runs or less. So he has been on fire on the pitching side of it. Again, I, it, I know one side of that equation, how hard it is to prep and get yourself mm-hmm. ready for one side of that. I am blown away. I don't think this guy, as much as people talk about him, I don't think they give him as much credit and what we're seeing. Uh, I don't know if you will ever see it again in the game of baseball, what this guy has been able to do and at the levels he's been able to do it at the very top on both ends of that. And it's just mind-boggling to, to see somebody that's able to take the batting hat off and put the pitching hat on. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy. You mentioned uh, Taylor Ward, and I'm wondering, uh, and again, I guess we'll probably know more from Joe Madden before the start of the game today, but is it your understanding he, he'll be available to hit, but will he be able to play in the outfield as well after that? I think he picked up a neck stinger, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, yeah, he ran into the fence going after a ball, hit it full speed, and uh, he's been out of the lineup the last four games. He's been available to hit, and he can hit. Well, he took BP yesterday, no issues. The only problem is we have Shelly Otani's our DH, <laughs> so you're not going to slot in the DH spot. Otherwise, he would be DHing at this moment. He's had some issues from the, the throwing standpoint on his right shoulder, so 
Uh, he's missed the last four. They haven't put him on the, the IR yet. So um, I, we keep waiting. I, I, I thought he would play in this series with Texas. Again, offensively, he's been swinging the bat. He's been taking batting practice. He's ready to go. But defensively, the throwing side of it, uh, it's been getting better, but the Angels weren't comfortable. They wanted to give him you know, more time to try to get that thing as, uh, as, as good as they possibly could. He could, you know, no doubt be in the lineup here tonight. Expect him at some point in this series, I would think. When healthy, what does Anthony Rendon bring to this team? Uh, he's a, he's a leader. He's a rock star. Uh, I mean, you look at the 2019, what he did for the Washington nationals. Yeah. Uh, and this guy is a RBI machine. He's a gold glove, third baseman are, that's one of the reasons again, that this team is where there is their defense is as good as any defense I've seen for this ball club in a long, long time. And they have pitchers this year. They're not striking a boatload of guys out. They pitch to contact and these guys, suck up everything whether it's the guys in the infield on the ground or the outfielders when ward is out there brandon marsh is a a plus plus defender in left field trout is still trout and taylor ward is a very good defender in right field all of them throw real above average and they can all get everything in the air so defensively is one of the big reasons this team has gotten off to a great start I think Jays fans will be interested as well, given some of the issues they have in their bullpen, to see the Angels and to see Aaron Loop and Ryan Tapera having the years that they've they've had. Look, Aaron Loop was a guy who, when he was here, he was viewed as just kind of a disposable commodity uh, when when he left this organization. He certainly turned his career around. How important of those, obviously, Tapera is a closer, but how important in particular have have Aaron and 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 Tapera been to the to the bullpen this year? Yeah, they, they've been. Big. Again, the, that was one of the issues they wanted to address. Rysel Iglesias is our closer, and that was the first thing they addressed in the offseason. They knew how important he was. He's a lockdown closer with elite stuff. He throws in the upper 90s. He's got three-plus pitches, um, and they wanted to back go backwards from that point on, so they, and, they added Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop to kind of really solidify that back end of the bullpen. Archie Bradley, who's had a lot of success, at the back end of the bullpen is also in this bullpen uh, in a different role for him. So they keep, they went backwards and they've improved the bullpen. Our bullpen, you feel very comfortable with leads late in games. Rice Iglesias has had a couple of hiccups this year, uh, but you know, every closer, it's tough to be perfect all season long. Uh, but he has been, he's been lights out, but Tapera and loop have been really good is, is, you know, you're right. Aaron loop, he came onto the scene when he went to the Mets and things really turned around for him. Uh, and he's one of those guys, lefties, righties, it doesn't matter. He's a, a pitch-to-contact guy also where that plays with our great defense. Whenever I hear, uh, Mark, when I hear Joe Madden speak, he, other than being very prepared, you can tell he's very prepared. He knows what he wants to say when he's talking to the media. But he sounds more aggressive this year. Is 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 am I on to something there when I listen to him talk, or is do you think that's a a conscious effort going into the season that when they're healthy, you can be very aggressive now as a team? Yeah, no question. I agree with you totally. Uh, this is a different feel for this club. They haven't been in the postseason since 2014, and they, they spend some money and they've had some good players. They have the lock on the MVP award. They get that every year, but they're not getting to the postseason, <laughs> and it's all about getting to the postseason. So. Uh, there's a different feel. There's no doubt about it. Perry Manazian, the new GM, they they wanted to bring in a com- 
kind of a different group, and this is a really, really good group. You, if you watch the games tonight, boy, if they hit a home run, they get a cowboy hat. They have a lot of fun in that dugout, I should say, uh, and it's fun uh, watching them get off to a good start, and that's, uh, you can see how, how good that is. The, the Angels are in a stretch right now. They're going to get tested in the next 19 games. 12 of the 19 games are teams that are over 500. So this is a, their most difficult stretch of the season right here. They're going to find out real quick, uh, you know, that they have to elevate their game. They have the ability to do it. They, have the, they feel like the pitching side of it to be able to hang in there, and they offensively, no question, feel like they can hang with anybody offensively. Mark, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Mark. You got it. Have a great one. That is Mark Langston, Angels radio analyst, former Major League pitcher with the Mariners Expos Angels. Yeah, Ryan Tapera leads the Major League in holds. Uh, Aaron Loop is, again, you know, you look, Aaron Loop was just kind of a guy. Now, he was important in 2015. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um but he was really just kind of a guy here. Change the scenery. It's a and, big deal, I think, for him when you watch him. Think about that, though. Aaron Loop changes scenery and, and the Mets, and, you know, a city try, that a city that can eat dudes up. Try throwing from an odd angle to Goes a bunch there. of right-handed hitters in the American League East yeah. for long periods of time. No, it's... Uh, you welcome a change. Oh, it's a, and it's a great... I mean, Aaron was... Aaron's a... You know, everybody's a good dude, et cetera, et cetera. But Aaron is a really... He is. Aaron's a really nice mm-hmm. man. And that's, I, that's the way I would put it. I would call him... I would call him uh, a nice man. Boy, I'll tell you what, a ton of people are weighing in on our trivia question. And you're not even close. <laughs> well, I, but, and I love, up. listen, we got folks reaching back, Eddie Collins. We had somebody, I love, I mean, that's people going all the way back for that White Sox. That was a hell of a question. A mm-hmm. couple of people to hit it, hit the nail on the head, but there are a lot of people that are way, way off base. Having said that, I would have been there with you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I would have been there with you mm-hmm. with some of your guests or some of your guesses, believe me. Um, hey, you know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence, like, I got this one, you know? The umpires would throw the balls out, like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about it? <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right. Mm. I think that's after he yelled at me. Uh, Probably. Behind the cage. Shout out, by the way, to uh, Alex Sixero, 680 News, uh, who said that the first seven minutes of today's show was the greatest seven minutes you guys have ever done. It's priceless. The magic of Jumbo's clown room. Mm. It was so good you didn't even remember the name. Again, it was not the... It wasn't the first... Stop of the evening. By the end of the evening, you know, I, I tend to, it's just, where, who, who am I paying to? Fine. How much? Here. Oh, there's a clown. Clown wants who, my money who here. Are you? Hey, uh, Blair. Yeah, you in know, the same I sense. I mean, you know. And a clown. Uh, did I play it? You're, you're, you're with your buddies the next day. You're going, did I pay a clown for that? <laughs> it was usually... Okay, I know I gave the clown yeah. money. What exactly did the clown do for me? Yeah, did I give him can, my card? What? Can you guys, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember a uh, man with a, a clown at the door taking my credit card, and then the next thing I knew, I was in my hotel. Or what? What? Uh, what? Anyhow, Max Gilarducci. 
Nailed it. I hope I got that name right. You nailed it. If I didn't, Max. It sounds a lot better than anybody else would have said it anyhow, and it should be the way you pronounce your name. Question for Barker's back leg bits. Do you guys think the lineup would benefit from moving Jansen up to the fifth or sixth spot? It's getting hard nope. to ignore his production over the last 40 games, average around 320, slugging around 810 home runs, doubles, and around 30 RBIs. Thank you, Max. Uh, of course, Danny Jansen, two home runs in the last game. Kevin, uh, it's not is his. there any scenario? Now, <clears throat> pardon me, there was there were times last year where they did slide him up fifth or sixth, I think, when he was on that role late in the season. I could be wrong, but do you see? I hope not. I hope not. You, you want some more length to your lineup. You want some more power at the end of your lineup. Uh, it's not his fault at the top of the order. Is not real good with runners in scoring position. It's not his fault. Again, that gets back to that Santiago Espinal hitting fifth. It's not a run producer. And to, to ask guys to do these things are, I, I love Danny, and I love what he's doing, and I love that he's standing right on top of the plate and going, come on. I don't care how hard you throw it. Let's see it. And it's going to be a little tougher to do that tonight with Otani throwing, just by the way. But it's, I wouldn't. Maybe they will if they get desperate times, desperate measures. But I hope not, because it's not his fault. He's he's you could tell he's in a little bit of a of a rhythm flow to his to his hitting. He's got some confidence, which is the most important part of it. I hope not, but I you wouldn't be shocked if they did it. Khakis are sitting around going, boy, he sure would look good hitting second. I mean, I, I, I Matt Chapman let off the lineup is That's all go- you need to know. The lineup is going to be interesting um, over these next couple of days. Just just. Because we've seen that there has been there have been some changes mm-hmm. made to it. Um, let's just see what let let's see what let's see what the lineups look like over these but next it is four a good, games. It's a good question. It's a good thought. Yeah, but is. sometimes you don't want to get in a hurry and 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 blame or put pressure on that guy for something that somebody else is not doing. That's that is a good point. It gets back to putting guys into the positions where they can do the best and and. It's nice, you know, Santiago Espinal gets moved up. Now, that, that we're talking about a guy who's had a five-week run of form. So, The two-hole's different than hitting fifth. Yeah. It's different because of who's hitting around you, yes. what you're not expected to do. You're going to be coming up with traffic on the bases. And I also, I'm also a fan of this. It, when managers do move the lineup around, I, sometimes I, I like to close my eyes and, and say, okay, when everything is going well, because I still think this is a good lineup. So at some point, this lineup is going to be going well. Where would I want all these guys hitting? Danny Jansen in the in the eighth spot for me, just sitting down there, hitting 15 to 20 he is, bombs, he's giving me good defense. He's not too far removed from a buck 40. So let's remember that. Exactly. That's I like where point. he's at, and he likes where he's at, which is all that matters. Yeah. But he's not too far from especially given Especially given the workload the catcher carries. I'm a there big fan. Go. If I've got a catcher who's hitting... Don't mess with him. You do. Yeah, you do you. You do you, mm-hmm. and sure. that's just fine. But it's a good question. That is. Yeah. Terry Whalen from the Miramichi in New Brunswick. You guys are great together. Thank you. I'm kind of well, wondering. Half of us are. Well, half of us are. That's right. I'm kind of wondering if our expectations for the Jays are too high. They're mm-hmm. still very young. Don't have the experience of the 2015 squad. I think maybe they have more upside and talent, but maybe they still have more struggles to be really ready, hoping, hoping not. Terry, I've got to admit... I mean, I have been asking myself that. I'm one of the guys who called them to go to the... I think I called them to go to the World Series Me this too. year. And Vegas had them. Not that I base anything on what Vegas said, but Vegas certainly had them as one of the favorites. I, I'm i beginning to wonder whether or not 
whether or not they may be okay, a year t- away. Okay, Terry, I, I, this is uh, what, this is the way I'm I hope I'm, not, but this, I'm I'm this beginning the way to I'm wonder. Say it. it's not a team answer for me. This is a individual answer. I know where this, you're going. I have everything to do with Vladdy. I that's my question is asking Vladdy to have back to back years that he had. This is why I said at the beginning of the year you asked me what would be a good year, and I said 330 and 100. Whatever he does above those three numbers mm-hmm. is a plus. To ask him to duplicate what he did last year is almost. I'm not saying it's it's impossible because it's not. Obviously, he's got a lot of talent. But they went out to try to get lefties to surround him hitter-wise that were really good on purpose because they knew something. They knew how tough it was going to be. And when you got a bunch of khakis and some really smart pitching coaches trying to figure out how to get their best hitter, and I go back to that that Cardinals thing, you don't let the best hitter beat you. Well, you don't think everybody else knows that? And that's why they're pitching him the way they're pitching him. And to ask him to take what the pitcher gives you, and if that's a walk, so I'm going to individual that, not the team that. Travis Henry from Saskatoon has submitted a bunch of really good questions. I I think this is the third one we've used, but I love this one. Um, Can teams use an offensive slump as a learning experience? A lot of that for me depends on how much they're making a year. Where they're at in their career, what they're what year they're coming off of. Danny Jansen for me can't hit a buck forty anymore. So learning from that, no, it's put up or shut up time for him. Vladdy, a lot of pressures, a lot of expectations for him. Is he learning anything from this? He's learning that that struggling stinks. He doesn't want to do it again. Uh, the, the different guys are going to handle this in different ways. That's a tough one to answer because it is very individual, and I know what I learned was off-the-field things that would help me keep slumps to a minimum. They're going through it now because they've never went through big slumps before. So the answer to Terry's question is, yes, off the field. On the field, it stinks, and you never want to struggle ever, ever, ever. Well, luckily, Barker, you don't struggle when you're on this show. Boom. That's it for Blair and Barker today. No Blue Jays talk with us tonight because it's just too damn late for me. I'm old. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.